Ladies and gentlemen, here we are. We are the Gas Giants. On this episode, we have decided to respond to the release of a novel from 1963 in English. So this is a German novel that uh, that was was released in 1963. Uh, I think it came out a uh, another version of it came out, but now a revised version of it has come out in German and also in English. And this is the first time that a novel by this authoress has come out in English. Not to keep people waiting too much longer, Gavin, mm. Brigitte Reimann's Die Geschwister, or translated in English, The Siblings. Yes. Now, do you know when this was published in West Germany? I think it was published more or less at the same time. Mm -hmm. And in the same version that was published in the East. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> now, that, that is, uh, that's something that we, we will get into maybe a little bit later. The final version, which we have in our hands now, is supposedly has been assembled from... Uh, a, a find of a stack of, of notebooks and uh, and uh, copies of the uh, of the text with notes added, which was found in a flat which Brigitte Ryman lived in in Hoyerswerda. And so, fortunately, somebody knew what this uh, what this book, what this pile of papers was. The uh, the new edition was was put together from these notes. I mean, uh, which I understood that the uh, that the original version had been cut somewhat by the censors in East Germany. Yes, yes. It so was. clearly, anybody producing a new version had that as well. So they had the original version plus some notes. They can yeah. combine them, and then then this is a this is right. even more than that. So there's a, there was there was the uh, the text that she actually delivered to the publisher. Um, there was then the version that the publisher edited, probably with some political considerations, before it was officially published. And uh, and now there's a there's an expanded version which is based on these this stack of notes that have been found and the original. Yeah, it's been a very very long way that this uh, that this book has has taken, but that's also very similar to uh, the uh, the other uh, final book of uh, of this writer's life, Francisca Linkerhand which came out in 1974 and has also had a, a, a complete version come out in 1998 in German. Uh, that still awaits an English translation. Yeah. The interest in this new version of Die Schwester is because of the new find. I mean, it, one thing that interests me here is uh, why are we reading this particularly now and is there hmm. a particularly new interest in Brigitte Reimann in Germany in recent times, or is there just some some sort of random happenstance involved? I don't know. It could be um, <clears throat> it could be connected with the publishing house. Alf Baufelach was uh, was a, a publishing house from the DDR that was bought over by uh, by a Westerner after the wall came down, 
and went through a rather checkered history. And um, I think if I dig into the archives of Dietzite, I could maybe find you a big article about the about the, some of the financial difficulties that it went through. So maybe the find of this archive material then prompted it to um, <clears throat> to bring out uh, a new edition of this book. Uh, and, you know, but it's it, it is does... interesting that it's that they've managed to actually um, or include an English translation into this. And uh, also on the Substack page, there's a lengthy interview with the lady who did the English translation. Yeah, yeah uh, which I listened to. Thanks for that. The um, yeah, the re- I guess the reason why I'm asking, we can come back to this later, is because mm. I'm curious in which populations, in which audiences, particularly uh, Ryman's works, were popular or how popular they were and mm. when. Because we got East Germany, West Germany, and mm. uh, the English-speaking world. Um, yeah. And the diaries have been translated into English. Isn't that interesting that the diaries would be translated before any of the novels? Now, Lucy, what's her name, the translator, um, yeah. mentioned in that podcast that... Uh, there's a body of um, diaries that uh, that are missing, yeah, deliberately destroyed, yeah, which implies that she didn't want those diaries published, but she did want the rest published. So that was uh, yeah. that was so that was actually a literary output uh, that she intended for publication. Yeah. That's uh that now that that takes us down another rabbit hole because the whole business of of writing diaries I, I don't know if you do I certainly do no absolutely not no I, I write diaries yeah and uh, I mean I also uh, I I've been trying to collect all of Anais Nin's diaries but you have to collect two sets then because there's the official diaries that she arranged for publication and there's the unofficial diaries which uh, the, the the private ones, which he didn't intend to be published, which I'm are quite not, a bit more interesting. I'm not sure you have to, but you're certainly free to. Yeah, yes, well, if you, you know, buy the ticket, take the ride, Tom. It's up to you. <laughs> anyway, uh yeah, but I, I do find it uh, intriguing somehow that the diaries made it into English before any of the novels did. Certainly Francisca Linkerhand, uh, which was the book that she was working on up to her very early death at the age of 39. Uh, when that came out, it came out simultaneously in Eastern and West Germany. Mm-hmm. And it was read with great interest on both sides of the wall. Okay, so that helps to answer the question that at the, during the during her lifetime, her uh, writings were of interest in both East and West Germany. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like she, there's suddenly a greater interest. Oh, there might be a revival of interest, but there certainly was real interest back then on both sides. No. Yeah. Well, I think there's there's maybe a revival of interest in her in in the, the now Gesamt Germany, uh, and uh, that somebody has decided that uh, also uh, it's a time when when there's uh, a little more interest in sort of overlooked uh, female authors. 
Uh, and uh, somebody thought, well, maybe the time is right to actually introduce this book to the English-speaking public, which I, I think is uh, I think is is absolutely worthy because I do believe it's worth uh, people knowing who she was and uh, where she, how she lived and where she lived. Uh, she's uh, an absolutely fascinating character, hmm. and uh, if it, I mean for the Germans speakers who maybe didn't know her the there's a very good uh podcast on the substack page from the ird which uh has lots of interviews from uh friends and collaborators of hers and it does give a good picture of what just a sort of lively person this was you know, a real, real sort of, uh, almost a rule breaker, you know, really somebody who was, who was really wanted to seize life by the throat. Yeah. So, uh, I suppose having made it this far, we should uh, maybe talk about the plot. I would like you to summarize that for me. I will do my best. I have been practicing for several days. I've also been watching that uh, fascinating lady who does um, When Gen X Ruled the Multiplex, who manages to summarize quite complicated movies without blinking or even seemingly breathing. And uh, I, I can only say I'm envious. Mm -hmm. So I'll, uh, I'll give it a go. So the story starts, the bas basically the story happens over three days. In 1961, uh, shortly before the Berlin Wall goes up, and uh, it's uh, the uh, the he the heroine Elizabeth has gone back home for I think it's Easter, isn't it, to uh, to visit her parents. Uh, also in the house is her brother Uli. And her, that right on the first page of the book, uh, the action starts with Uli finding a quiet moment to tell his sister that he's going to go across the border into West Germany. Yeah. Of course, the Berlin Wall isn't up now, so it's a relatively easy process. And uh, he's, he sees no possibility for himself in the East, and he's just going to... Uh, he's thinks he's got a job organized in in the west as a um shipbuilder uh he's an engineer and, naval architect we might call it yeah naval architect i think is the is the proper proper translation yes so elizabeth has already lost one brother to uh to the west her her much older brother conrad who's 29 uh, Elizabeth, we should try and get this straight as well. Elizabeth is 24. Uli is 25, so he's only a year older than her. Yeah. And uh, she realises that she has about three days to talk him out of this this act. Uh, the book, like I say, is over three days, although there are there is one huge flashback later on in it. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth is an artist... And she has started working in a factory in uh, in a town which is... Uh, none of these towns get names, but it's obviously Hoyerswerda. And uh, she works in a combinat which uh, makes uh, basically mines and presses briquettes of lignite 
for uh, the power station. A lot of lot of power stations in East Germany were powered by by what they call Braunkohle, yeah. or lignite. <clears throat> you might have seen this in the news recently because it's now being discussed again. But she, she yeah, she's a, she's a uh, she's a painter, uh, and she works at the Combinat, basically teaching the workers their art um, and, and making art for, for yeah. you know for the uses that they have art for. Yes, exactly. So she's got to do both. Yeah. And uh, that also, I, I've only found that from watching other documentaries and stuff, that probably would have also involved her working at least one day a week in the factory. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it was an exchange-type job. This this thing of having an artist circle was mm. sort of a um, kind of a cultural exchange that, that yeah. was set up in the uh, in the East where... You know, somebody from the uh, intelligentsia arts um, yeah. goes to a, a working class city where uh, fuel is processed for power stations and hangs and, you know, slums it with the, with the workers there. Uh, they get to learn some painting. In other words, she's actually tutoring mm -hmm. them in painting. And... They and she gets exposed to their lifestyle as well, so that the artists get to see what mm -hmm. what the other half is living like. Now, this actually mm -hmm. mirrors Brigitte Raymond's actual life because she yes. was a writer and she was expected to write, but she also took the job of this. And this is actually a political job, mm -hmm. right? It was not something she vol she volunteered for it, but it was it's perhaps relevant that she. Although she wasn't a party member, she volunteered for what was essentially a political, socialist, idealistic project like this. Mm. She operated a, she, you know, she ran the writer's circle in, yeah. in one of these Neustadt-type uh, towns. Yeah. So the, the whole city has basically, uh, it's, a, it's a new town. It's been created out of, uh, out of more or less nothing. Yeah. Anyway, so we, we then go through... Um, Elizabeth trying to trying to work out what on earth she can say to her brother to uh, to convince him to change his mind. Uh, we we see her uh, also in another flashback uh, meeting up with her other brother in uh, in West Berlin, and uh, you know having a having a very serious conversation with him about you know, where he thinks things are going politically and how he could come to a decision like that. Because the thing is that Elizabeth, very much like Brigitte Ryman, she uh, fervently believes that she's doing something good. Are we going to do the plot first or shall we discuss this yeah. point? No, 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 no. I, I'll get to the end of the plot. Yeah, okay. It's, uh, it's, it, it's then, then we've actually done the plot because... So not that much to it. There's not that much to it. No, it's uh, this whole book is about two hundred pages. In English, it was about one hundred and sixty. It was one hundred and sixty-six. Yeah, right. and thick pages. Every you know, for the first half of the book, I'm turning over. I'm going. I'm turning two pages at once here, aren't I? You know, but, <laughs> uh, and big margins and spacing and everything. They yeah. did everything to pad it out. It's actually a very short book. Yeah, it, it's it's funny that. Um, that in German, in my copy of it, is described as a roman or a novel. Yeah. But uh, but in the first version of it, 
that would have come out in East Germany, it's described as an Erzählung or a story. Yeah. So uh, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe it's that that one of those great Thomas Mann things, a novella. But this is something else that we should we should we'll get into yeah. later. So um, so the brown caller combinat, yeah. So uh, the thing is, she's been sent to this brown caller combinat, and uh, the oh, party secretary. Sorry, may I interrupt before we mm. get too much further? This is a new book in English. Mm-hmm. If we want to encourage people to read it, maybe we yes. don't want to tell them the spoilers. Because uh, you're just about to get ah, into the uh, the drama part of it, aren't you? Yeah, I suppose I am, aren't I? Yeah. And the, okay, all right, I mean, we, c- we could tell people, if you want to, How not have the spoilers. Kind of yeah. yeah we, we can make that warning up front and go ahead mm-hmm. and discuss the whole thing, which would be more interesting for me, but... You know, we need to consider that. Okay. Well, maybe we should. Uh, maybe we've we've uh, we've picked everybody's uh, curiosity enough that they would actually pick the book up, which is the whole point of this. We should maybe discuss some aspects of this book. Then, and it's it's kind of interesting because, like I said, this is an uh, when it came out, it was originally an atzilo. Brigitte Ryman, at, in 1970, when did she die? 73, 74, something like that. I guess, yeah. She, yeah, yeah. No, she, no, that's right. She was born, born in 33. She died in 33, but before her birthday. So she, did, uh, she died before her, her, her 40th birthday. Hmm. And uh, Francisca Linkerhand, which was the enormous 600-page book that she was working on when she died and she'd got to the end of it we don't know whether she was completely happy with the end but uh, but it is basically the same story as die geschwister yeah that's the impression Just i very that, different that's the impression i got from from these podcasts is that mm. we're dealing essentially if i don't know if if you looked into the other books um but but right here we've got basically three stories the story of Brigitte Ryman's real life, mm-hmm. and which is told in diaries, which, mm-hmm. and of course, diaries are only so reliable. Then there's the, uh, the, the way it's told in Die Geschwister and the way mm-hmm. it's told in uh, Francisca Linkerhand, yeah. all of which involve the same character at the center of it and a very... More or less. And a, and a very subjective... Uh, literary style, literary structure. Uh, you know, the, yeah. it's 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 very deeply about how this central artist, writer, or architect, depending on which book you're looking at, yeah. uh, is is appreciating their situation and work and relationships. Um, mm. and, and whether or not they're satisfied with it, up to a point. Tom, there's a few things you've missed there. I mean, okay, Die, Die Geschwister obviously is uh, is written about 1961. By the time Francisca Linkerhand rolls around, the the whole Prague uh, 68 thing has happened, which yeah. was something that affected her very, very deeply yeah. and really, really pissed her off. 
so her whole attitude is is a bit different. Well, she's also older. Yeah, um, and you now, know, the, that's that's an important difference. Uh, you know, the difference between let's say. I know this isn't quite right. There's the difference between 25 and, th- and 40. Yeah. A lot happens in those years. Oh, yeah. Um, at, the, uh, at 25 or 23 or whatever, you're still in the process of differentiating yourself from the previous generation. Yeah. And when you're 40, you are the previous generation. Hmm. <laughs> Die Geschwister, okay, as you said, it's um, between 166 and 200 pages, depending on which language you read it in. It's fairly direct language. Uh, I I did actually read it without any big problems at all. Francisca Linkerhand kicked my ass, man. I just did not. I've got. Well, I about, can't. I can't talk about it. I haven't read it. And yeah, I know. But I, I listen. I I didn't get past a hundred pages. I think the the all the, the the steam went out of me when I listened to a German podcast about it and they were going on about how difficult it was for them to read. Well, <laughs> and I was like, oh, Christ, one, no. <laughs> but one thing, this is these these two young men who spend far too long trying to... Yeah, anyway, uh, I shouldn't mm. be criticizing their podcast. <laughs> yeah. but, my God. You know, we're doing, not doing all that well right here. No. Uh, but, yeah, the um, they... They did identify one thing that 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 works mm. here is the, the the layering of reminiscences, um, yeah, in, in the text, which can be quite disorienting. Um, yes, it which is, is one it of is. the one of the uh, literary devices in here that I thought was interesting. Mm. I'm not sure how good this translation is, to be perfectly honest with you, and maybe part of my problem ah. has been there. Some of the dialogue just seems preposterous to me. Yeah. But, but some of those reminiscences, you've got this, you, you end up with something a bit like that, that moment in Crap's last tape. I don't know if you mm. know that play, but yes. they, where Crap's up on the stage behind his desk, listening to a tape, mm. kind of re- reacting to listening to himself like 20 years yeah. ago, talking about how then he's just been listening to a recording of himself from another 20 years prior. Right, yes. So yeah, you, yeah. at that point, you've got this, this combination of, of time frames, uh, which ah, are all together, yeah. you know, uh, and it's a, and it's a little disorienting. I mean, certainly it's a, it's all like in, 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 uh, in Beckett's piece there, it's sort of like a, a just a brilliant idea and a sort of masterly yeah. show. But here it's one, I wonder if it's supposed to be disorienting where you're not mm-hmm. sure where you are in any particular, you know, if you, have you popped well, back out one level in the, in the reminiscing? Mm. Because you've got, Brigitte Ryman is telling a story and it's mm. written down. Those are the words we're reading. And then those are the thoughts of Elizabeth thinking back to a time when she was remembering a time from her childhood with mm-hmm. her brother. And yeah. so you've got this delving into, it's like a popping into another level down and then you pop in a back, yeah. level back up. Sorry, I'm thinking in terms of computer programming here. It's no, 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 problem. it's useful. And, and you're not, and you're never quite sure sometimes, or not never, but at some points you're not quite sure where you are. It's one of the, um, I, I'm yeah. not sure I've seen a writing style quite like that elsewhere. But they did yeah. mention that in that podcast that Francisco Lincoln uses that quite a lot. Yes, it does. It goes from first person to third person and all this kind of stuff. And it's it's very difficult to work out who's talking sometimes. Yeah. 
and uh, and yeah, it is quite disorientating. I'm just thinking about, uh, all, all, you know, always with with literature of this period in Germany, I always have Wolfgang Köppen always, you know, swims through through my my reminiscence because you've got Talbot in Grass, which is 1951. This is a West German author, of course. Mm. Don't know who's, anything about uh, that's, Isn't that over uh, a day or two days or something? Um, there, there, then there's there's the the book that I really think is his masterpiece, which is uh, the Tripals in Tripals or Am mm. Tripals or Der Tripals or something, which is all about the the Bonn government, and I believe that's over a weekend. So yeah, this is I don't know whether Brigitte Reimann knew about Wolfgang Köppen, whether she'd read any, uh, or whether it's just another example of that thing that I talk about sometimes that the, the same ideas have a habit of being discovered by different people in different places yeah it's quite possible but it's it is interesting yeah yeah okay it is kind of difficult to discuss uh Digish vista without uh at least touching on francisco linkerham there is a big one also big difference between the two protagonists <laughs> And that is that uh, with uh, Die Geschwister, we're talking about an artist who is then involved in this in this combinat and uh, and uh, this circ art circle of painters. And uh, in Francisca Linkerhand, we also have this uh, have this example of a young idealistic woman having to deal with older authoritarian men. And the whole system, but we're uh, she's now an architect, which is of course um, a combination of a of an artist and an engineer, and creating art which is really going to have a direct uh, result on the kind of environment that people are living in. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of discussion about, and there has been a lot of discussion, reasonably enough, I suppose, about how uh, architecture of new towns, how post-war mm. development has resulted in different kinds of communities, how the architecture, or let's say the town planning, uh, mm. has resulted in either healthy or unhealthy, however you might define that, I don't know, um, yeah. communities or you know, happy or less happy outcomes or d different kinds of things. Um, so, for example, in the case of the podcast that was discussing Francisca Linka, uh, uh -huh. they talk about an environment in which there is very little to do outside of work mm. other than ride motorcycles around and get drunk. Yeah. And that is described as being unhealthy and whatnot. And then I... it, it but. It's often discussed, I mean, this is outside of uh, mm. these particular books, it's often discussed yeah. that this is something where the architects are to blame. And, of course, they play their part. Um, mm. And there's been a bad architecture that people have had to live with, and that's been unpleasant for them. But I do wonder whether or not architects can actually fix a problem like that. Can they, at best, make it mm. comfortable and, uh, you know, doesn't leak, doesn't yeah. fall apart... I'm not sure that that's, a, that that's something that, that where where architects can really take all the uh, take all the blame. Hmm. Um, it's just is it really possible to design a town, no. uh, 
top down yeah or from from you know from a you know position a hierarchical construction of a town yeah. and have that be successful or do, does a town that is a you know a, a, a place that people like does that have mm-hmm. to get built by the by its own residents you know? yeah yeah well i think um Although we're, we're straying onto onto territory that we might have covered during high rise, but <laughs> we said that that wasn't about architecture, though. We said that wasn't about architecture exactly. Yeah. yeah so we're kind of hoist with our own petard there. Yeah. But um, uh, no, I, th- I honestly I think it had more to do with economics. I think the uh, the Hoyer's Verda that uh, that Brigitte Reimann uh, found herself in. Was um, was known as a sort of sleeper town because this factory worked in three shifts, and so either people were at work or they were at home sleeping to to then go out and do their next shift. Yeah, that's the way a lot of people work, isn't it? Yeah, eight hours work, uh, eight hours sleep, and eight hours you know doing the chores and eating yeah. and fucking I don't know drinking. Drinking, riding motorcycles. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, but, but I, yeah, I don't see that. Certainly... I, I don't see that as greatly different from what was going on, let's say, in the UK in a lot of a probably lot of not. I mean, she uh, she complains bitterly about this town that didn't even have a cinema. Yeah. In the diaries. Yeah. Or you know had um, had three pubs. Two of which she, they they wouldn't let her in or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and sort of the the artistic nightlife was basically her, from what we can gather. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about this point about um, how ideological she is. Yeah. Uh, Indigestista. Mm-hmm. All we really get as evidence for that is her claim which actually seems like it might be reliable, was that mm. they had, she and her brother, uh, Uli, had wanted to go in the opposite direction from their parents. Okay. Mm. So the, there, was, there was nothing in the book that I remember reading about that really showed a, uh, you know, a commitment to, a, uh, to socialism other than it's what was there and it was a way of, uh, mm. of gen- a generational separation, a generational mm. schism, which is kind of not interesting in itself if especially the parents' generation was the Nazis. Yeah, although, uh, you know, actually going over to West Germany, that would be getting away from your parents as well, wouldn't it? Yes, uh, but that, that would was, be making quite uh, a big break. It, yes, it is, of course. But yeah. that's a that that seems to me in the case of Uli, that seems to me to be uh, because he wants to pursue his ambitions, right? Mm-hmm. Because he sees poss- more possibilities for him to you know to uh, mm. you know to exercise his skills and advance himself. Mm. Uh, so that's why he wants to go to the West. But I, I mean, do you in in terms of Elizabeth's behavior in this book? Uh, and anything that's written in there, I don't see, you know, a uh, a, a believer in in socialist dogma. Do you? I don't know about dogma. I think you're. Uh, I think 
the problem is that uh, that there's one definition of it of what of of uh, of, of socialism well okay so which let's, is being let's take forced your word idealism country let's take yeah. your your word idealism this is this has been described in in a number of well at least one article i read and i think in in a couple of the podcasts i listened to is that the book is supposed to or is understood to uh represent a the tension between the idealist an idealist uh, socialist mm. and an individualist and mm. i don't see any idealist socialist here at all i mean it just didn't come across that way to me i mm. see a a young woman with ambition who wants mm. you know wants to realize her ambition and and ends up struggling against a you know uh, the mm. usual kind of impediments in life all right well hold on um, or have I missed maybe, some evidence maybe, uh, that's in the book? Well, uh, no. Hold on. There's maybe a, a useful story at this point. So, uh, sometime in the early 50s, I think it was, Picasso went to Moscow. I mean, Picasso was a lifelong communist. At the end of the war, the Soviet Union extended an invitation to him, and he, he went and visited Moscow. So after a while of walking around Moscow, he uh, he met Star he met Stalin, and he said, "Listen, listen, Joseph, um, I we can I can help you. You know, I've been walking around Moscow. It's pretty damn grey. It's very very dull." I'm an artist. I've I've been a communist as long as I can think. I've got you no know, lots of other people like me who have the same beliefs. If I get them all together, we can we can produce works of art for you. We can design milk cartons. We can paint buses. We can you know produce all of these different artistic works, which can be then. Uh, you know, put out in the most everyday packaging. And we can actually make this town a bit more colourful. We make this, this, whole, this whole country more colourful. And, of course, Stalin didn't want to know anything about it. And I think that's what's going on here. I think this, so, this book is... A, okay, now is, that's, that's uh, fine, and it's compatible with the impression I had. Uh -huh. The Yeah, the look, at the end of the war... You know, the negotiation between the victors mm. led to the this chunk of what mm -hmm. used to be Nazi, capitalist yeah. country, uh, suddenly becoming uh, mm -hmm. a communist country. Yeah. Uh, and that was, you know, one of those one of those bizarre acts of contingency or acts, not even just that's exactly the wrong word. One of these bizarre things that just happen mm -hmm. in history and people are left with, okay, now what are you going to do about it? How do you mm. adapt? Now, in that situation, I can certainly see how our character, our heroine, you want to call her that, um, Elizabeth mm. might, might say, yes, let's forge a new way forwards. Because at that, time, at that age, mm. and also this would be true for Brigitte Reimann, there is a a drastic need to separate from the past. We need to mm -hmm. differentiate ourselves from that catastrophe that the Germans chose for themselves. Mm. 
And so, yes, turning about face, the communism was ideologically a very strong position to hold in mm. Europe after the war, because after all, the conservatives hadn't politically, you know, mm -hmm. covered themselves in glory. Uh, the liberals hadn't really. Who had really been the fighters that had won? So you can you can easily see somebody getting on board with that going forwards and then finding as it becomes moribund, as it becomes sort of more bureaucratic, more layers of management and delivering mm -hmm. unsuccessfully, let's say not delivering well on sort of people's social needs, um, cultural needs, getting into conflict with that. that. That story makes sense to me. But to call her idealistic and communist and a believer in socialism, I don't mm -hmm. see, I don't see any of that. You see what I mean? Hmm. I don't know. I think the uh, the the rejection of the uh, the whole life that her, her elder brother Conrad has built for himself in the West. I think uh, I just think in the mere act of uh, of of sticking around to build something up in the East. I think there's your idealism there. Well, there's a there's a there's a forced choice there. Right? Yeah, that's that's pretty much what that's the forced choice are you going to go and leave yeah. your home leave your family go mm. and and try and start something in mm. another but thoroughly unsatisfactory version of germany at that time i mean basically mm. what you've got is the americans have come in and imposed uh, a kind of less extreme form of conservative capitalism And they're going to manage it. Uh, so the, yeah. And why? what's appealing about that? I can totally get not finding yeah. that appealing. But, yeah. that, but, but only having those two choices doesn't mean that there's an idealism. What, that, what, mm. what it does suggest to me is that, okay, I'm forced to try, stay now. And this is something that I think is successfully yeah. represented in the book, is Elizabeth's rather ad hoc attempts to make, to justify herself and to uh, and to denounce her brother Conrad for leaving and indeed her uh, brother mm. Uli for wanting to leave um, mm -hmm. it it she i think the i think the the book is i mean of the things that i admired about it the mm. the thing that i admired most i think was was how elizabeth seems to be very candid hmm. talking about her emotions and how badly she handled various arguments, uh, mm -hmm. how she tried to, tried to do yeah. it and f do, say things and failed, how she came up with, you know, uh, delivered herself of some argument and then regretted it, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And what that suggests is, is somebody who wants things to be a certain way. I want to be with my brothers. I want to be, you know, uh, you know, to, to continue to have that continuity. Because she obviously was very, very close with her, her brothers, loved them mm. very much and wanted yeah. to keep that together. And that, again, is a different motive from being actually sold on and wanting to implement uh, a, better, uh, a better human future through socialism. Mm. Well, I, I don't know if you can separate one from the other, really. Uh, you know, it's always, or maybe it's a mistake to uh, 
Because uh, sooner or later, it's always about people, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we, we should we should say that, um, I, have we already mentioned that Brigitte Ryman's brother in real life, elder brother, uh, did actually leave and went over to the West? No, I don't think you said that, no. I, I don't know if we said that. Also, no. of course, what we didn't mention was uh, was what happened just before this book to Brigitte Ryman, which that she was uh, she was recruited by the Stasi as uh, as an, uh, an an EM informeller Mitarbeiter, mm. so an informer basically. Um, by the way, I've put a glossary of uh, of East German acronyms. On the Substack page, uh, that's one of the things that tends Why? to scare people away. Because it's one of the things that even scares West German readers away oh, okay. from East German literature is they, I mean, Germans love this is their acronyms. This is an English, oh, yeah, they sure do. Uh, this yeah, is an English really language do. podcast, though. And the English, okay, yeah. the English translation has a, uh, a good set of endnotes. Okay, yeah, but which, which you need. Because uh, I mean, the the West Germans love uh, old Germans love their acronyms, but uh, the East Germans did ballet with them. Mm. And you know, it, it has happened to me as a reader that I've I've you know been wondering what on earth is NSV, mm. and then you find it's the Nonsozialistisches Wirtschaftsgebiet. So it's. You know. <sighs> right. So anyway, there's a, there's a glossary there. Um, where were we? Yes, uh, so she was, she became a, she signed up to be an informal mitarbeiter, um, to, to be a, um, a, what was called a spitzel, uh, an informer for the, for the secret police. And then, uh, ten minutes after she'd done it, it was to get out of a political, out of a particular tricky situation, and then about 10 minutes after she'd done it, she'd realised she'd made a huge mistake and this was disastrous. And so she did what um, what was uh, apparently uh, sort of uh, the, the way that they'd worked out in East Germany to get, to get out of this situation. Uh, it was uh, not without consequences which was that you stood up at a meeting of other writers and said, I have signed up to be an, an informer. But at which point you are absolutely useless to the secret police as an informer. Yeah. But obviously they were going to have a word with you. Yeah. And I think she spent about four days in prison, which uh, scared the pants off her. It's apparently one of the few things that doesn't appear in the diaries at all. Mm. And... Kind of as that that uh, gig in Hoyerswerda was kind of as a result of that. It's it it is uh, as you said. It was also a sort of um, uh, a, a political philosophy that artists should actually uh, get closer to to where actual, you know. Uh, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm translating this from German in my head, but where where uh, work with the hands is done. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they should go onto the factory floor. They yes. should actually experience that. Yeah, this is part of uh, what we mentioned earlier with the uh, you know the uh, the writer circles, the artist circles accomplished that. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was called the Bitterfelder Weg. Yes, yes, yeah, interesting word. 
Uh, well, Bitterfeld was a part of East Germany that had a lot of uh, factories, particularly chemical plants and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in fact, we should probably do the, uh, the briefly the four uh, periods of East German literature. Although, please don't think that anybody ripped a, a page off their calendar and said, oh, look out, well, I'm going to have to start doing Ankunft's literature. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, first of all comes Ankunft's literature. Uh, no, first of all comes Aufbau literature, sorry. Aufbau goes from the end of the war until about uh, the building of the Berlin Wall. And this is where we're where we're uh, where we're dealing with the whole sort of uh, business of uh, building a literature. Uh, in 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 a way, the same process was going on in West Germany with the Gruppers Ibn und Fiatsch. All this business of right, we have to now create a literature which is separate from Nazi literature because the past is tainted. So we have to start from the very beginning and actually see what we can what we can make and then by the time the berlin wall comes up you've got um ankunft's literature which actually takes its name from a uh, a book by brigitte reimann uh ankunft ins alltag the arrival in every day so uh you've now realized, okay, we are in this state now, we can't leave, so what's, what can we make out of it? And then shortly after, um, now sure, around the time that Franziska Linkerhan comes out, maybe a little bit before, um, Walter Ulbricht dies and Erich Honecker takes over and there is a slight liberalization uh, where it looks like things are going to loosen up a bit. And so the literature changes gear a bit. This then uh, comes to an end uh, in 1976 when Wolf Biermann, uh, on the tour of West Germany, uh, has his citizenship revoked and can't come back to East Germany. And that's when they when they realise, oh, everything's going to get shut down. And so literature goes underground. And any kind of experimental or, or uh, state-critical literature is then um, in written, you know, underground. And it stays like that kind of until 89. Yeah. So what you see there is a transition from a somewhat democratic approach to literature and approach to uh -huh. the organization of society to the strict hierarchical top-down control where mm -hmm. all information has to be controlled by the state. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those, those progression, yeah, you see that right there, don't you? Mm. And, um, I mean, actually, uh, the thing is, it's, it's easy to look at a book like the Geschwister, and sort of say, oh yeah, well this is you know this is this is censored and all the rest of it. But it's amazing how critical it is actually. Yeah, but it, it's 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 making a I think a reasonable attempt to uh, to discuss the issues that would be relevant to anybody mm. who was trying to be a communist back at the time. 
Right. Mm. If you were, I mean, in any of those situations, I mean, the, the little political, petty political situations that are described there, mm. uh, they've yeah. got their meetings, lots of meetings. I mean, that's what Soviets did. They, they met. Mm-hmm. So they've got to work things out. That's, you, 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 you've got to work yeah. it out. And their conflicts arise. People in with positions of this kind of authority or the, that responsibility, that chairmanship or, and so on, the foreman here, the... Uh, Mm. Uh, you know, things are starting to get organized where bureaucratic power is invested or tied mm. to certain individuals. So, yeah, politics is is now getting real. Um, yeah. But at that time, I mean, certainly at some point in in this process, it would still have been possible to criticize it and say, "Look, we've we've got to we've got to mm. do better in having our conversations." This is yeah, and and giving a realistic description of what that's like is you can see how that might be accepted. I, I don't, I mean, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't have to think of, you know, of the Soviet bloc as, as, as being static and monolithic. It was. Yeah. That's the problem, isn't it? Right. I mean, one of the things that, that, that really, really bothered me with the contemporary literature and the pot and the pot, you know, the articles and the podcasts about this is that they seem to represent a what for me is a completely outdated sort of Cold War triumphalist point of view. Yeah, the same kind of attitudes that you might have gotten in the early nineties. Um, yes, you know, oh, socialism must it was destined to fail. It had to fail, and so mm. forth. Um, you know, that you talked about that that podcast, which I I tried to listen to the one from. Mm. Uh, day, I don't know, um, but uh, the one that's got got that, that manages to get some uh, some interviews with uh, people. Uh, that knew I, I heard day, yeah, yeah. And within the first few minutes of that, somebody says something so idiotic that I just put it off, and I couldn't I couldn't go on. I was just so angry at the idiocy of it. Uh, hmm. So I, you know, one of the producers, I guess, who was narrating, it's sort of like introducing the whole thing. So. He talked about Brigitte Ryman and the books and how, what's the name of the noise valley? What's the, uh, the name of the, 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 this sit, bit, town? Oh, uh, uh, Hoyerswerda. Hoyerswerda, not Neu- Hoyerswerda. Hoyerswerda, yeah, and the Kombinat Schwarzer Pumpe. There you go. So they, they're talking about um, this city that, and he says this straight up as though, it, obviously this is true, a city that was built in order to, uh, realize socialism. Uh, how can you possibly say something so stupid? It was not built to realize socialism. No, it was it's, built it's, to produce fuel for a power station. Yeah. It was built to, uh, as a city, because the the factory required so many workers that they needed to actually build a town. And they needed to house them, in. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and you think they didn't do that in, in the West? Yeah. Do you think that? Oh, do, yeah. Do you think that the capitalism hasn't done that? I mean, you can go and look at the stories about what happened in late, uh, you know, the second half of the nineteenth century when capitalism was kind of like at its yes. roaring best in the UK and the United States yeah. and uh, various places, building whole towns. Yeah, we can we can all point to company towns. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so and. Why would anybody think that way is, is, is really fascinating to me. Why can't you think in terms of, you know, at the end of the war, there were 
there was mm. uh, uh, there was a an imposition of a new war, the Cold War, which mm. was um, now that we've dealt with um, now that we've dealt with Germany, knew what concerns came up, and the big concern was what is Germany going to do next? Mm. You know, and that's where we got NATO from. That was that came from France mm. and Britain. Yeah. In particular, who instigated that and got that going, and the idea was let's organize everything under uh, under American rule. This is when the Americans were basically leaving Europe and uh, you know in the process uh -huh. of leaving. And the modern Germany, the modern Western Germany, was kind of created by uh, the rest of Europe under the guidance of mm. American capitalism and American statecraft. And, mm -hmm. and American uh, military and intelligence rule. Mm. Um, and to be triumphalist about how that mm. beat the socialism. Yeah, uh, I know. I, I have a hard time with this as well. That's pretty tough, hard to take. I, uh, okay, obviously, um, you know, if you're listening to this and you are East German, then, you know, I'm sorry if we suppose too much here. There were a lot of people who absolutely hated living in the dead ear and just wanted it to stop. I, I, That's I, true. I yeah. don't have any argument with them. There are also a lot of people, and uh, I've, I've met some of them, who found the, the government, you know, impossibly uh, unimaginative, authoritarian, uh, were, were lived in under fear, couldn't travel anywhere, all the rest of it. But, um, and they imagined a future that was different, but they didn't imagine it as being, uh, as being part of a, 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 a big Germany. No. Yeah. I, I do, I, I mean, I was living in Germany when uh, unification happened. Um, I was yeah. working at Munich from 1990 to through most of 95. And yeah. it was very interesting to meet some colleagues that uh, that came for I, either for training mm. courses that I was also on or actually came to work uh, in our offices. Uh, they, they um, listening to their critique of, mm. I mean, they were dealing with some culture shock issues, of course, yeah. but... Uh, but get them talking about it. Their critiques of uh, of Western thought were mm. very, very interesting. I learned oh, a yeah. lot from from them. But I didn't have the sense that West Germans were very interested in general in listening no. to them. No, no. And I and I have the feeling today that that that, that Brigitte Reimann and her works are are being used again to prop up. Yeah, I, I, call a it, I called it a Cold War triumphalism, a story of Cold War triumphalism, but is actually a much bigger story about mm. European liberal democracy with capitalism mm. as being the correct trajectory for all countries to take. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And something that I find really quite, a, quite an offensive thought, especially yeah. under current circumstances, yeah. especially when it's coming from Germany. Because I don't honestly think that's what she's saying. I don't think so at all. No, no. I think that she's a she's she's. Uh, I think because I'm. This is why I don't like the book. Is is really just an individualist who gets angry with uh, not being with not without with being frustrated in her mm. 
in the realization of her ambitions. Um, to, to quote, I think it was uh, our, the narrator in Thomas Bernhard, uh, the, the loser, his, uh, his weakness was raw ambition, right? Um, and yeah, because the, this is, this is the, the character that seems to come across here, is somebody who's born into a family that's probably, uh, you know, had, had, you know, a good station. You know, I mean, her father was a, a f uh, sorry, in the, Elizabeth's father was a factory owner, right? And no, grandfather. 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 Right? grandfather. Her, her father right? was a, worked uh, for a publisher, I think. Yeah. And an expert on Baroque art. So in any case, this is upper middle class. This is, uh, so we've got intellectuals in the family. We've got artistic, artist specialists in the family. We've got children who would have been brought up understanding uh, their trajectory to greatness. And of course, in the Nazi years, that would have been, that, that, that progression would have been open to anybody who plays the cards right and has, you know, displays the right the right behaviors. And then all of a sudden that didn't work anymore. Then as time goes on in the East, the, uh, the management of society becomes more and more stodgy and ineffective and uh, petty. You know, you've got uh, mm. bureaucrats in middle management positions that, yeah. that just making everything not work properly and, and who run their you know, use their authority to protect their positions rather than to advance the yeah. the ultimate causes. Uh, so, if yes. anybody wants to go back to our episode on bullshit jobs, then please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although that looks so, it looks so much different the way modern uh, modern Westerners do it. But uh, but they they so they run into and so she she and her uh, brother are running both running into this. Uh, frustration of the ambitions that they had when they were young. And I think this is explicit here. The the long podcast between those two young Germans talking about Francisca Lincoln, mm. um, they they said that the, uh, they quoted this as being a central moment in Francisca Lincoln where she asked her brother, so how did you imagine your life turning out when you were young? And uh, mm. there's obviously some disappointment there and the i gotta say when i was reading the book at the first i was i was really enthusiastic i was keen i wanted mm. to see where this is going and i thought oh, you know, the writing style's interesting you know and mm. and it, it it's it's a personal account i would call mm -hmm. it a net sailing more than a romance yeah. but uh, a personal account obviously it's a highly autobiographical kind of fiction yes um, and, and and so you know an inside account of what it was like back then that's that's mm -hmm. that's genuinely interesting yeah. to I, me. eyewitness yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. now and as it went on i found myself getting more and more uncomfortable and mm. not really sure why and uh eventually i get to the end and i've got various criticisms um some of which i've explained and then Oh. I tried listening to that podcast. I went for a long walk with the dogs and I was listening to that. And then when they started comparing this to Ayn Rand, I suddenly thought, yeah, you know what? You might be onto something here. You might be onto something here. This, because what really was Ayn Rand's personal story and how did she 
come to the kind of philosophy that she mm. uh, that she put about? Well, it was this belief in the uh, you know that that freedom must be there for those who have the brilliance, you know, those who have the skills, those who can do do mm. should be allowed to do in freedom and unencumbered by the weak masses. Hmm. Um, uh, and, and, and hence she's, she's become a sort of an icon for hmm. the worst kinds of libertarianism. Libertarian, yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's a, it's an absolutely incoherent philosophy. Of course, the, how, hmm. how does your freedom uh, to, to practice what your freedom come about? It needs a state to protect you from people who are hungry, you know, hmm. <laughs> you know, you've got this, you've got this problem of, well, who pays for the police and why should they be on your side? Mm. Um, so, I mean, the libertarians never seem to want to answer that yeah. question, but uh, that's another story. But yes, the Ayn Rand story about, she was a, she was a Soviet. I'm, she was Russian, right? Um, I don't know. Who ended up in the US and uh, being a, held up as a symbol of individualism and freedom and being a harsh critic uh, and, you know, again, it's like posthumously taking Brigitte Reimann and using her as a, mm. or her works as a, as a way of shitting all over uh, socialism and the projects that were going on in, uh, in the East after the war. Yeah, that, mm. that seems a little unfair. But yes, the, uh, the comparison, the comparison with Ayn Rand, I thought, yeah, you might be onto something there. Maybe hmm. that's what made me uncomfortable right at the start here is this. The other thing that made me uncomfortable is the absence of humor, right? Oh, uh, that's because you're not reading it in German. Mm, maybe. Well, maybe that's there's a failure there's... of translation then. Yeah, but, yes, I, I think it maybe is because yeah. there, are, there, are bits, uh, there are bits in here which... I mean, the funniest the, the, bit. I, I... Actually, the dialogue. You, you were going on about the dialogue. Some of the, some of the sort of to and fro between brother and sister are actually what the Germans would call spitz. Mm. And uh, they are quite funny. Yeah, I, I thought the funniest bit was uh, when she was talking about the, the little group of anarchist motorcyclists who were just, by some <laughs> logic that was absolutely unclear, they would just mm. all decide at some moment to zoom off uh, as loud and yeah. fast as possible, and then eventually they'd show up again and start smoking cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> and then it would repeat itself, but how they decided when they were mm. going to go and what that was funny but you know that was yeah. about that That's, so so well, that actually that co this... comes back to uh, to to a bit in another book uh, which was a big hit in in germany a few years ago called deutschborden have you i don't know if you've heard about this no. it's actually a documentary book and it's about uh, a journalist from die zeit i think who lived in berlin who decided to move to a small town um, on uh, sort of sort of north of Berlin in the old east, and uh, and turn up there, live in a cheap hotel, uh, register himself at a boxing club, and hang out with people and find out what they thought and what their what their lives were like. Mm. And uh, there's a the very interesting because I I, uh, I when I go down to the Algarve occasionally I, I uh I go to this to this place that's owned by a German guy where there's a pub and loads of his friends come from Germany and we all sit around in the pub 
and there's uh, there's bikers there. There's uh, you know there's all all kinds of people. And this book had been passed around. And one of the things that happens in the book is that they all go and hang out for no reason whatsoever in the filling station. Mm-hmm. They, they go and ha- hang out at the local Al Aral filling station, and then they then they basically do a quick turn on their bikes and come back, and, and that's that's an afternoon, you know. Yeah. And all of the guys sitting at the bar that night said, "Oh yeah, I remember that." I'm just like, what? Why would you do that? Oh no, we did that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, if you're living in one of these towns and which exist exactly as much in the west as they do in the east, yeah. where there's nothing to do. Uh, a young man, very, <laughs> very yes. motorcycling is their hobby. I've actually got a really wonderful French comic book called Joe Bar Team, which is oh, yeah. which is all comedy about exactly these kinds of weirdos. Uh, there's a group really? of four people that would hang out at Joe Bar, and they'd just be in some, you know, provincial French town. You you got mm. exactly this French architecture. You know, here's the fountain in the middle of the square, mm. and, and 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 they do the exactly the kinds of things that you do if you're just into motorcycles, uh, mm. to the exclusion of everything else. So yeah, no, I I did. I, I'm sorry, I did find humor in this. Yeah. Um, the so to to finish that point that I was making, there's a a sense in this book of self pity that, it combined with the lack humour, at least in, as I read it in the English, mm. which which becomes quite mm. quite a turn yeah. off in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a candid aspect to this sort of conceited self pity, which I I sort of admire. In mm. that it's really yeah. put on the page, mm-hmm. but it's not attractive, mm. right? Okay. So you end. So it it ends up with, um, you know, with a, with a, with a bunch of characters. I mean, we deal with mostly with Elizabeth, her brother, mm. who's um, planning to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit. The parents, not much. Um, mm. A little bit. The older brother, who's already gone, he makes a quick appearance. Yeah. Her boyfriend, what's his name? Yeah. Uh, uh, Joachim. Joachim. Yeah. Um, and then there's the cast of these these communists who are yeah, the sort of party secretary getting in Heiners, the way of, yeah getting in the way of her life one way or, you know one way or another, mm. and none of them really came across as being appealing. That's another problem. Yeah. With, with Although there's a, the, there's a, there's, now hold on. He's the, uh-huh. in fact, in fact, some of the, some of the characters that, that Elizabeth doesn't like seemed like she was disliking them for reasons that I can't really subscribe to. Hmm. Like there's the older artist who painted an old fashioned picture. Highness, yeah. And uh, we were going to leave the, the, the greater details about this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, did he really deserve what came to him, what she did to him? I don't know. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the resolution of that particular bit is when another picture's found to put in its place. Yeah. But who painted that? And I, I couldn't, I, I've read that bit in the text a couple, it's probably my German, I couldn't quite work out whether that was her who painted that or whether that was Lucas, who was one of her circle of artists i thought it was her i thought it was elizabeth you thought it was her okay yeah. the, the subject was lucas 
Ah, okay, right. Yeah, so Lucas was welding, okay. and she painted him welding. Right, yes. No, I, I see where I've, where I've misunderstood that. Yeah, that could possibly be. Yeah, uh, maybe you're right. What, uh, what One of the things that, uh, that does come across in this book as, as very important and is maybe missing from, from our everyday life is this, this attempt to democratise art, which, uh, you know, obviously I found very attractive. Yeah, it's a tricky thing to do, though, because art, as in paintings, it's they're not the kind of thing that, I mean, unlike Picasso going to talk to Stalin, he was talking about decorating and uh, reproductions. But if we're mm-hmm. talking about paintings, you know, they're, they're intrinsically mm. limited supply. Those are something no, that's was- going to be... Uh, I was meaning more that uh, this this attempt to actually, I mean, uh, okay, she used the example of painting probably to make it uh, less of a direct comparison with herself, but she was involved in getting factory workers to write. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I have a lot of time for. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the yeah. the thing that, that struck me when we were, when I was thinking about this, this whole thing about how do you create... Um, community well Mm, uh, you don't generally do that by having a big project and some some architects and some planners and things Mm. are going to you know design the shit and now you move the people in people have to do that Mm, right i mean community it's community that builds community right so you think about i don't know when i one of the things we talked about this before once um but when Mm -hmm. if you if you think about what it was like when we were kids, our parents' generation and their parents and indeed some people who are just, you know, a bit older than us, they were involved in uh, hobby clubs, weren't they? Right? There were lots yeah, of them. Yeah. No, there really were yeah. lots of them. Yeah, you there know, were. Yeah. You, uh, and and, and these, were, these were private organizations, but they were more or less open to whoever. They mm. might have a connection to a trade union, perhaps. Uh, yes. Or not, there might be a bowling club. It might be, yeah. uh, you know, a model railway club or mm. something. Um, dancing, whatever it was, people could do these things. One of the reasons why it worked better back then was because property was a lot cheaper. You know, today you can hardly afford, uh, in a lot of parts of the world, you can hardly afford uh, enough space to live in, let alone mm. to actually go and collectively buy some land to go and mm. or rent a rent a building to to conduct for your club to do things in mm. but it's this this process of just going ahead and doing it and being allowed to that was that was where kind of community came from and where where people seem to get an awful lot of pleasure in life mm. i just watched today i thought this is a lovely example uh, a video of some some american guy was in visiting thailand and he went to a tractor drag racing meeting uh, oh yes where the kind of uh the kind of tractors that that people that get used or the, the engines at least that get used mm. in rice farming mm-hmm. like there's a, a very sort of redneck working class racing scene in there where mm. where people will build home make their racing machines and they go for a go for a race meeting mm-hmm I've I've been involved in racing, bicycle racing, but it's a bit of a bit of an expensive hobby, you know. You, mm. um, bicycle racing, 
bit upmarket, but these guys, absolutely, they're farmers, they're farm workers, and they're having a, mm. having a whale of a time building their stuff and, and yeah. zooming around, um, crashing and, and all that sort of stuff. They're making community for themselves. Yes. Now, yeah. how are we, you know, again, once this, this comparison with the West, how are we doing in building community these days? Yeah. Uh, I have the feeling that we're, that, that we're doing absolutely the worst ever right now mm. um yeah in 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 the we've we've got we've got these mega corporations delivering us technology platforms that we kind of you're, you're considered a dangerous outsider some somebody subversive you're not actually using them all the time yes and yeah, yeah. their purpose is to uh, consume all of your uh, attention uh attention that could you know mm. time that could alternatively be spent with other people doing stuff for fun or for charitable purposes, or both. Yeah, uh, you know, community gardening for goodness' sake. Uh, all kinds yeah. of things can be done, just depending on what your interests are and what your friends' interests are. You know, this isn't an outcome of uh, of socialism. This isn't the communists doing this. This is uh, mm. this mm. is oligarchic concentration of monopolistic power. Yeah, uh, doing it is, is that is that the triumph that we're uh, that the West mm. has achieved now. No, also the uh, the sort of um, equal respect for for all professions and all all walks of life, which comes through uh, both um, both the Geschwister and Franziska Linkerhand. Yeah, I mean, also you know, you do realize when Franziska Linkerhand came out, it was reviewed by uh, lots of people in in both East and West. But in in the in the DDR, uh, there was a, a long article about it written by an architect, hmm. which you know, <laughs> talking about how you know, uh, talking about all of the issues raised by the book and uh, and you know how much was true and what he disputed and all this kind of stuff. I, I don't imagine that that would have um, that would have happened in the West somehow. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I haven't read. I the doubt book. it. Um, the the podcast that discussed it at length said that it was kind of notable that the book didn't actually talk about architecture very much. Well, yeah, but it talks about the problem of housing people. No, yeah, and as I said, I don't think that that's entirely an architect's problem. It's part architects. <laughs> okay, are yeah, no, no. Well, well, yeah, yeah. Of course they are. Um, uh, they're. And they can they can screw it up if they if they get it wrong. But uh, there are others involved. Um, yeah. The it's pretty easy in the normal ideologies within the West at the moment to to look back at the ideas of the the honorability of work, no matter what that work may have been back hmm. in the uh, in the socialist countries, and sort of yeah. think of that as as quaint and silly and whatnot. But it does seem rather more appealing to me than yes than what we have today, where we've got a, a, where in 2016 we had a serious candidate for uh, the president of the United States hmm. uh, who was ready to dismiss I don't know a third half of the country as a basket of deplorables, and hmm. this was cheered among her supporters. Yeah. So yeah. where we see that a an educated class is quite clearly regarding people 
with rednecks or who they think of as rednecks as mm. uh, as, as being not worth as much. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this this manifests all the time. Yes, um, it and does. I find it offensive. And the, uh, mm, a, a bit yeah. of dignity for all kinds of work uh, is, is very appealing. Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> well, so um, the process of reading this and getting ready and, and, and dealing with some of the some of the podcasts that have reviewed it and the uh, mm-hmm. what have you. It's, it's, it's raised an awful lot of topics that made me angry, that's for sure. Maybe it was supposed to. <laughs> Possibly. I really don't think so. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't trust Birgit Ryman. Uh, I, I, I think I got our number here. Somebody who wanted to be, who wanted to be a star and didn't, didn't feel like she was allowed to be. Hmm. I don't know. No, I think I'm a I'm a bit more a uh, bit more charitable. I yeah. think um, I think she she actually inside of East Germany she did uh, achieve um, quite a uh, a famous status. This is something that generally interests me. Here is that is whether or not her books, despite all the criticism. Uh, look, I come from a different background. I come from a different time. Mm-hmm. Now. Under the circumstances of, um, you know, that the prevailed in the East during the time that she lived there, uh, I can completely understand why somebody would feel frustrated, annoyed and, and, and sorry for themselves even uh, in, the, in that situation. And maybe she was one of those writers who did manage to get it down on paper in a way that was publishable. And there wasn't very much of that. And, uh, and maybe mm. that's something that was that was popular for exactly that reason. There was a bit of honesty and truth about what it was like in people's lives mm-hmm. that they didn't get from other literature or from other forms of art. So maybe it served an important purpose at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it did. I think, I, I mean, I, I think actually to come up with a book right after this whole uh, this whole affair with the Stasi to come up with a book like Die Geschwister was probably quite uh, quite courageous. Yeah, it, that was something that I I found myself wondering because certainly later the the regime was was very harsh, um, uh, but presumably it just got worse with time. And the way it's, the, the way things are discussed in in the book itself sounds to me like in the early sixties things were not the same as they they were in the eighties. I don't know. Um, maybe I'm not qualified to speak on that. I'm not. I'm speculating. It was. Just, I'm just raising the point that it's mm. it's not clear to me how I'm, there must have been a progression from from a literally triumphal mm-hmm. of of socialism in Europe. They'd won the war. The socialists had basically done the work of defeating mm. uh, the Nazi Germans. Whether whether it was you know partisans here and there in, in mm. or it was or it was the the actual Soviet yeah. bloc. The, the, sorry, I can't call it a bloc at that time. The, the Soviet Union. No, the, the Red Army. There were the victors in terms of actually doing the fighting, and there were plenty of uh, of communist parties across Europe that were ascendant at that time. Uh, across East and West. 
and it was kind of like the job, the job of the of the Germans to prevent them from actually becoming real communist mm. countries. But that's a different topic. But the but my point is that at the beginning, then in the early years after the war, uh, the eastern part of Germany must have been at least there must have been plenty of people there who felt somewhat hopeful that there was a better future to be found in socialism. I, so there, there, there must have been, have been a transition. I mean, you described yeah. it yourself in these phases of the of the literature. Of the literature. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to imagine that the uh, the Geschwister was coming out at roughly, um, you know, well, not roughly at a certain point, but 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 while a transition was was very much being felt by Brigitte Reimann. Mm. I mean, if she'd just gone through that process of having to become a Stasi informer and then. To, and then, yeah. then, basically denounce herself. Yeah, denounce herself to 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 bust the the process and take the punishment. Mm. Uh, yeah, that would have. I, I'm, what I'm guessing is that that must have been during a transition or mm. a milestone in a transition. But yeah, getting the, getting the book written. Uh, I mean, it, it it does it does manage to, I guess, balance. Or it did manage to balance things adequately well, and uh, and maybe mm. there was also a factor was that that they needed books, perhaps, yeah. Well, it's part uh, of maybe well part of the, anyway. Part of the Cold War involves the cultural aspect and trying to show that you're good on the culture side as well. Was was, was mm. well, at least yeah. for at least at times that was important. Yeah. Well. Um, what can we say? It's it's worth the effort to read this. It really is. Okay. Uh, the voice is uh, voice is very individual. It's very well written. And sooner or later, Francisca Linkerhand is going to get translated into English, and then you're all going to be sorry that you didn't read this one first. <laughs> really? Okay. Oh, it's possible. Yes. You mentioned also what other books of German literature? Oh, uh, I mentioned the Wolfgang Kuppen trilogy. Right. And then, uh, and then more recently, you mentioned uh, uh, Deutschboden. Okay. By Deutschboden, which is um, ah, I'll have to look this up. Okay. Um, Since but, you mentioned uh, them, add those. Uh, add those. To, yeah. You don't okay. have to put links. Deutschboden was made into a film, which I haven't seen. But um, but it's uh, as a book. It's I mean it's written by somebody who who was who's used to writing in one of the big German newspapers. So it is actually very entertaining to read. It's about life in a small town in the ex DDR after after the. I mean I suppose it must have been written in the early thousands or something. So various things have happened since the walls come down. Yeah. And people have managed to get a certain amount of distance to it, and the interviews in it are very interesting. I suppose I should also um, mention that if you uh, if you Google Die Geschwister, uh, you may end up with a film from 2016, which is nothing to do with Brigitte Reimann or, or her mm. Die Geschwister. Mm. It, however, it looks quite interesting. <laughs> In a way, it's a kind of um, 
a later uh, Western German version of um, of uh, three people faced with a conundrum, because it's about a, a real estate agent um, and a couple in Berlin who are having trouble finding a flat. <laughs> And there's a sexual component in there as well, so that could that could also be interesting. But it's not actually anything to do with what we were talking about. <laughs> and it might not be good. It might not be, but um, I don't know. It looks it does look interesting. I seem to remember seeing it on on German TV. So that's it. Uh, I I would definitely say uh, give it a go, and I probably will start hunting down the diaries now. Really, the sucker for punishment that I am. Yes, I, I like diaries. Okay, I, I, I'm, I, I will always read somebody's diary. You're not reading mine. No, well, <laughs> but um, yeah, no. I mean, if I look through my bookshelves, there's a fair selection of, uh, of you know, various people's diaries. It's something I'm always up for. Because there's a, there's an immediacy to it, which which I find quite interesting. Thank you.